Father, we want to thank you. I want to thank you for your provision. That, Father, no matter what's going on spiritually and socially around the world, you are our provider. And so, Father, we thank you today. We thank you because you have kept us through the whole COVID period. And Father, not just in terms of um, the, the church building and the charity, but you've kept us as the people of God. I want to thank you that those who lost jobs had jobs provided. Lord, I want to thank you that you've kept people and that you've kept your provision going and we bless you for that. And Father, as we look at your word today, as we look at the future, I want to pray that you would speak to us, that you would lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got three Sundays. This is the first. And we're going to do three different things over the three Sundays. We're going to look at behind us what's happened and what have we learned from it. We're going to look at the present, what's going on now, and then we're going to look at the future, what is God saying for us about how we go forward. All of it needs to come under this understanding that Jesus is Lord. Let me just say, before we do anything in the next three weeks, because some of the stuff is going to be quite challenging, but let me tell you, we are in good company because if you've ever read through what the Israelites went through, if you've read through the book of Acts, the word challenging is probably a normal word. But we come from a position that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the King of Kings. We are under his authority and he will lead us through no matter what we face. I mean, that's the hope, isn't it? The hope is that we come to Jesus and he gives us an internal peace and he is with us and he walks through. He gives us spiritual power and we see God's power released through our experience no matter what is going on. And so I want to start by looking back. What have we learnt over the last 18 months? I'm sure I could get each of you to come up and to share about what you've learned over the last 18 months, and there are things that God has spoken to us. What are some of the questions that come out of 2020? Well, I've been chatting with a fair few of you over the last year, and one of the things that people have mentioned is they want something more. Don't know about you, but I can put my hand up to that. I want something more. We've recognised that how church was is not how we want it to be. We want to gather together, but we want more. Now, here's the problem. Something more is a little bit elusive to define. Now, I'll explain that a bit more as we go down. We've also been massively challenged about holding on to our faith. In, In what we've seen in the world, we have never seen as fast a shift of values and things as we have in this last year, let me tell you. I personally believe that we are in an era-changing moment. I believe that what we are going to see in terms of change will be as much as it was when the Reformation started in the 1500s. We are in a massive transition in society, politically, within the world, and COVID in many ways is just a catalyst that is pushing that thing on. We've got to ask the question, what is God saying, which we'll come on to in a moment. Um, COVID essentially closed all churches, not just in the UK, 
but across the world. And I want to ask you a question here. Why did God allow that? There is always a purpose to what God allows and to what happens. Now, certainly towards the beginning of COVID, my inbox was inundated about the end of the world is near. Yeah, I had, I don't know how many conspiracy theories and COVID is this and COVID is that and we're in the book of Revelation and uh, this could be the mark of the beast and all kinds of stuff that comes on. And let me say to you that that is not unusual in every single crisis that occurs. Those of us that can remember back all the way to 1999, I think Grace, you were born that year, weren't you? Though can remember 99. I remember 1999 on December the 31st. I was in Germany. I was on this mountaintop, and all the city was there, lights. And I was thinking, I wonder if it'll all go off now, because there was this whole thing: Year 2K, the Year 2K bug. All computers will shut down. Nothing will work. We will end up in pandemonium. And even there, people said, "Oh, it's the end of the world. Jesus is coming back." We're now 21 years after that event. What am I saying? I'm not saying that because I want to belittle conspiracy theories, but we need to be very cautious what we take hold of. Not all prophets are prophets of God. I'm reading through the book of Ezekiel at the moment, and man alive, here's Ezekiel prophesying, but in the temple of God are people, and God says these priests are prophesying, but they're not prophesying what I tell them, they're prophesying what they want everybody to hear. So we've got to be really, really careful. So what has COVID been? Well, let me tell you, COVID has been a time of testing. We are told in James that our faith will be tested. It says in James 1.12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. And so the first thing I want to say to you as we look back, it's been a time of testing and well done. You've come through so far. I want to say stick with it. Stick with it. Read your Bible. Did you know, I mean, I was sent this this morning, did you know that the Chinese government are producing the Bible but changing its contents? You remember the story where the Pharisees caught the woman in adultery and they brought the woman and threw her before Jesus and said, the law says we must stone her, what should we do? And Jesus says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And then the Chinese government have changed the end and said, and they all left one by one, and Jesus stoned her to death himself. Yeah, shock, isn't it? It's the Chinese government for you. Remain true. Stick with truth. Read the Bible. I, I can't guarantee how long you've still got it for. Second thing is it's a time to remain faithful. During trials, we need to remain faithful. Romans 1, 17, 16 to 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I've already said this morning we've had the 
Church of Wales that have deserted the truth. Not all churches follow the truth. We are now in a position where you cannot guarantee if you go through the door of a church that it will believe in truth. The world is looking to reset. What do they want to reset? They essentially want to remove all of the values that we have had that are biblical and replace them with today's, what we would class more of a sinful lifestyle. Has anybody heard of deconstructionism? Oh, well done, Ben. He is a teacher. We'll let him off. Deconstructionism means this. In popular usage, the term has come to mean a critical dismantling of tradition and traditional modes of thought, yeah, and replacing them with something different. So what people are doing is they are taking what we have traditionally believed in and values that we've had, and they're beginning to completely dismantle them to a level that they don't want to rebuild those back. Now, questioning something is not a bad thing. We should, and it is quite healthy, to question why do we believe what we believe. However, the problem is that deconstructing has often gone in a negative and it begins to affect our values. So deconstructionism would lead to that we've believed for a whole while that marriage is between a man and a woman, but now that we deconstruct that, we'll put it back together and say, actually, it can, between, can be between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. And, and in 15, 20 years' time, that will be deconstructed and I don't know who they will marry then be quite worrying. There is a heavy movement to remove things from society in general that are biblical values that we hold to. If you have a child in school, you will already know that within education and work, everything is being removed that is to do with the Christian faith. You can't pray in school, you can't pray in parliament, you can't, you know, you can't do these things any longer. Now, it's becoming so much so that it is heading towards trying to remove those values from your family and your home. If you, last year, actually the year before, the, 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 I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but the Scottish government in particular is really keen on attacking family values. They, they have tabled something two or three times, I believe, where they want a social worker to have more rights over a child than the child's own parents. Imagine that for a moment. That what you say should go in your family, the social worker comes and says, no, you have to teach these values to your children. Wow. Doesn't that kind of taste of a totalitarian regime? So we, we live in times where we need to be cautious, we live in times we need to pray. Let me tell you, prayer is one of the most important and powerful things that we can do. We should be more on our knees praying than we should be doing anything else. We, we need to immerse ourselves in the scripture. One of the challenges is that people are no longer believing the truth of scripture because they're not reading scripture and so they're not understanding the changes that come. 
Have you ever heard of the, the, the kind of story about how do you boil a frog? Anybody heard that one? So they say, if you want to boil a frog, if you boil the water and throw the frog in, he'll jump out because it's hot. But if you put the frog in cold water and then you gently bring it up to a boil, because the temperature change is so slow, the frog won't no notice and it will boil to death. Now that is a very good illustration of what can happen to Christians if they don't remain with the truth of Scripture. We need to stick with what the Bible teaches us. And we also need to keep in close step with the Holy Spirit. One of the things I really believe quite strongly is that we need to re-emphasize the baptism with the Holy Spirit. There's something more that people are looking for, I personally believe, is the baptism with the Spirit. It is life in the spirit. Are you frustrated with a lack of spiritual power? Do you find that that inner peace and joy is not there as often as it should be? These come from a baptism with the Holy Spirit. And the baptism with the Holy Spirit is very clearly, if you read through the New Testament, a separate event to the event of regeneration or salvation. When somebody makes a profession of faith, they do receive a measure of the Holy Spirit from the Holy Spirit, but the baptism with the Holy Spirit is where Jesus baptizes people with his Spirit, and the two are not the same. I could spend all morning and, and, and go through Scripture to teach you that. Uh, I'm in good company here. Martin Lloyd-Jones believed that. He taught that. We need a baptism with the Holy Spirit. Think about this for a moment. Jesus. Jesus was the sinless Son of God. And before he did any ministry, the first thing he did was be baptised in water and then baptised in the Holy Spirit. Now, if he needs that, we need that. The disciples, they'd walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They'd heard all of his instruction. They saw miracles. They were even part of casting out demons and healing the sick. And yet Jesus says to them, just before he goes up into heaven, he says to these guys, he says, remain in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high, which is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And we need to re-emphasize that. We need to be endued with power from on high. Let me tell you, knowledge in our minds is not sufficient. We need power. We need power. The early church had power. And I want to encourage you, seek the baptism. And if you've been baptized with the Spirit, speak in tongues and continually seek a fresh infilling. Make it a daily request. And the final thing that we need to do in this section here is we need to continually meet. You know, the challenge is over this last year of COVID and a half, some people have not returned to church. And it's not necessarily been because, you know, they're still fearful of um, meeting together, but there is a habit that has been developed. I mean, you know... When it first started, it was quite nice, wasn't it? I mean, you could have a cup of coffee in the morning, put your feet up on the sofa, and you could watch the message and thought, this is quite nice. But it's not the same as being together, is it? And so we need to meet together. 
Now, all of this is summed up in Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold firmly, sorry, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. Jesus is returning and it's drawing near. So COVID's been a time of testing. It's a time to remain faithful. It's also a time to take stock. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything. Did you know that it says this in verse 5? There is a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Wow, they knew about COVID. All last year was a time to refrain from embracing. Ecclesiastes is a book about taking stock and then focusing on what matters. Now, we're facing a situation when we look back over the last year and a half, a lot of our volunteers have dropped off. That's not because of anything negative, that's just the way things have gone, that we've lost a lot of people who would volunteer in the things that we are doing. And we need to look at helping to equip one another and to look at where we're going. Now, we are in a state of transition. Let me tell you, at this moment in time, there is nothing that is normal. Everything is in flux. And what do we need? We need wisdom. If you want to pray one scripture over yourself and the church, this is the one. 1 Chronicles 12.32 From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. Don't we need that today? And I want to encourage you, pray that prayer. Lord, help us to understand the times that we're in and help us to understand what we need to do. Now, out of this is also what have we learned? I've learned we need to equip people better. We really need to help people to be better equipped. What do I mean by that? I mean that if we are being scattered into our community, I want to have the confidence that you're confident in leading people to Christ and in discipling them. You know, it says that in terms of a rough timeline, between Jesus going up to heaven and Stephen being martyred, was a gap of just under two years. So just think about this for a moment. So Jesus says to the twelve, go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, baptizing, teaching them, yeah. He says that and then he goes up to heaven. Then you have the day of Pentecost, 50 days later. And then on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people are added to the church. So You've got, really, 50 days after Jesus was taken to glory, 3,000 people get saved. And then it increases to 5,000 people. Now, between Jesus going and the martyrdom of Stephen, it's just under two years. Why am I referring to the martyrdom of Stephen? Because when Stephen was martyred, a persecution broke out in the church, and everybody except the apostles was scattered out of Jerusalem. And here's the thing. It then says 
that wherever these disciples went, they preached the gospel and people got saved and they made disciples. They did that with less than two years of being saved. Now, I could ask you, how many of you have been Christians for longer than two years? And we would put our hands up. And so that means we should be able to send you out and say, hey, guys, go. Wherever you go, go and make disciples. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, go for it. And so we've recognized that we need to focus on that because God may scatter us. We may find something other than COVID that comes to do that. We also want to see more of God's glory in our meetings. We want the presence of God to come in. We want people to be able to come in and sense the presence of God. I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus has made promises and his promises are yes and amen. What does that mean, amen is yet? Yeah, that's kind of a double stamp. Jesus' promises are always yes. When you read those promises in the New Testament, they are for you, they are for your children, and they are yes and amen in Jesus. Jesus is not like our governments and our political leaders. You know what? They promise so much and deliver so little. And Jesus promises much and he delivers even more. I mean, think about Jesus' statement to his disciples when he said, guys, what I have done, you are going to do, and you're going to do even more amazing things. Do you believe it? Do you believe this morning that God can use you to do what Jesus did and to do even more amazing things? Because that's what's written. And he follows those promises through. I love this statement. I read this in a commentary on the, the Gospel of Mark and he made this statement. Even disobedient disciples who abandon Jesus in Gethsemane, who deny him with curses and are muzzled by fear, find forgiveness and the chance to begin again through God's power. You know, the disciples were with Jesus for three and a half years and when Jesus goes into a time of suffering, they all run. And Peter, one of his close three, denies him three times with a curse. And Jesus restores him and says, hey, there's hope. There's a new beginning. And I want to say to you this morning that for all the changes that we're going through, through everything that is going to happen, it is a new beginning. Don't look at it as the end of all things. Look at it as a beginning for something new. You know, it's something we need to learn from young people. Young people embrace change so much better because they look for the something new. Yeah, I want to do something new. Well, let me tell you, there is new power. There is new hope. And then, um, what's the guy's name? Garland. He says this, that he's a scholar, and he writes this, and I think this is so apt for the day that we're in. He says, the question for us is, therefore, sorry, the question for us is therefore the same as it was for those early disciples. Where do we go from here? The next stage is up to us. How will we continue the story? Will we cower in fear or boldly proclaim the glad tidings 
of Jesus Christ. Christ is with us. He has not deserted his church. There are churches in India, in China, in Afghanistan who have a much tougher life than we have and Jesus is with them and he is also with us. Jesus is not some 2,000-year-old has-been. He's not one who's lost touch with society. He understands better and he knows what's going on. Remember, Jesus commanded the demons and they obeyed. He healed sicknesses. He commanded nature and it did what he said. He overcame Satan. He died. He rose from the dead. He's seated on the throne in heaven, high above all authority. This is our Jesus. We can have full confidence in him. And I say it because I don't want you to be discouraged. I do believe we are coming to the end of an era, but we are beginning something new and God will make a new way for us through it. God consistently knows how to make something out of nothing. Now you think the Israelites, I always, I I mean, I laugh now, but I would not laugh if I was in their context. The Israelites, they were freed from Egypt, absolutely freed. And then there's the Red Sea and the Egyptians behind. There is nowhere to go. We are backed into a corner. What does God say? Hey, Moses, you see that stick you've got? Just wave it over. Can you imagine? What's that going to do? The Egyptians are there. And you tell me to wave a stick over the water. So he waves his stick. And then this wind comes through. And and where there was no way, God has made a way. And you know what? And even the little detail, God dries the ground. He doesn't make them walk through mud. I mean, that's really thoughtful, don't you think? These guys just come out of Egypt. Well, that woman gave me a nice dress and I'm wearing it now and I've got my new sandals. I don't want to go through a muddy sea. Jesus dried it all up and they walked through. And I want to say to you, this is the same God that we serve. And no matter what we face, Jesus will lead us through. He will part the way. don't know where I wrote it, but I'll look at it next week because time is gone. God has a plan for us. I want to speak over you the word that was given to Esther for such a time as this. You were born for such a time as this. You are the age that you are, You have the gifts that you have. You live where you are for such a time as this. And if you look and you think the enemy's behind me and I can't see a way through forward, well, let me tell you, God will get you to speak a word. He'll get you to take what's in your hand and to wave it over and a path will magically appear. And I believe that for us as Hope Church. I, don't, I do not know what is coming, but in me, I know it's not going to get easier. I can't explain it to you, but I have a deep sense in myself where I want to be able to tell you the worst is over, it's all sorted, but in me, I have a sense that for believers, it's going to get harder. 
And I want to prepare you for that. But I want to prepare you for that by understanding that God will make a way. That Jesus is with us, never will he leave us nor forsake us. We have one another. We need to continue to fellowship together. And I want to encourage you, encourage people. You know, if you, if you wake up in the morning and you're reading a scripture that really blesses you, then think of somebody you can text it to. And say, this blessed me this morning, I want to pass it on to you. It will bless you as well. Pray for one another. That's the most powerful thing, pray for one another. If you are baptised with the Holy Spirit, if you speak in tongues, speak in tongues every day. You know, I find I can't speak in tongues quietly, I have to speak it out. But when I walk around speaking in tongues, I I can just feel the strength that comes, because it builds you up. And so I want to encourage you, there is a new road ahead for us, a new way. We've not gone this way before. Don't look at the things behind. I want to finish with a scripture this morning from Isaiah 43. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And, and let me say this, with all the love in the world, the past needs to stay behind us. The past was good in what it did. You know, one of the things that, that I think is always a challenge is people say, oh, because you're changing that, does that mean what we've done is wrong? I said, no, it's not. It was the right thing for that time, but it is no longer the right thing going forward. And we need to be prepared for that. Our church and what we do may look radically different in five years' time. We may not be sitting in rows facing forward. Ooh. We may not be in a building at all. Who knows? And so we need to say, Lord, we thank you and bless you for all that's been done up until this day, but we forget the former things. We do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And I want to pray today that you perceive it. There is a change in the air. God is doing something new And we have the amazing privilege to be a part of it. What an amazing thing in God. Let's pray. So Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you that we've not come where we are today by chance. I want to say that to you. You are not here by chance. Your gift and your calling, it's not dormant. It's not something that is not active. It has been prepared for such a time as this. And the Lord will say to you this morning, you will do the things that he has been doing and greater things will you do. And Father, I pray that over each person here this morning. From our children to those of us that are over 80, just pray that we would know that we will do greater things. That we've been called for such a time as this. And so Father, we thank you We bless you and we ask that you would make a way where there is no way. And I want to pray that in our hearts we would be filled with faith because God will make a way. And so Lord, we bless you today and we thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.